to the Dog Zone 9000, the official podcast of 1900hotdog.com, the comedy hilarity website. I'm TV Sean Baby from the internet, and this is how I talk like an asshole at the top of every show. And with me is my co-host and hilarity partner, Robert Brockway the Fourth. Here's a Brockway fact. You just, you haven't tripped balls until you've tripped balls behind the wheel of a cop car. No follow-up questions. I don't even think we need any. That's a... That's a whole story all by itself. And joining us today, someone I've known for many years, someone from Internet 1.0, from shortandhappy.com, a Twitter power user, Kathor Jensen. Absolutely. I think the best thing that happened to me today was that I made some marinade for the steak and my daughter asked if she could drink it like soup. Oh, nice. Now, uh, what kind wait, of did, steak? Wait, this is important. Did you let her? I yeah, gave her a small cup. Not the not okay. the marinade that had That's, been in the steak. I had to talk her out of eat, like eating the marinade that had been <laughs> that the raw meat had been sitting in for six hours. That was a difficult so like, negotiation. So like a cup of soy sauce. Did she actually? Did she finish it? Did she down it? She did. It was a really great marinade. <laughs> that's One good parenting. Mm-hmm. That's that's good parenting right there. So let's all talk our, our marinades. I like uh, soy sauce, a lot of ginger, uh, some cayenne, garlic. Uh, that's the base, and then I kind of branch out from there in different directions. Now, what what was yours that caused uh, your your ten year old daughter? Is that how old she is? Uh, they're fourteen, my kids. Now I got full teens. Fourteen, so old really enough to know better up. than to drink marinade. Yeah, but it apparently was really not. Good. It was uh, <laughs> uh, vegetable oil, apple cider vinegar, pears, hatched chilies, garlic, ginger, okay. salt, and pepper. That does sound okay. Good. Yeah. Can't fucking eat anything. That sounds great. I'd drink that. <laughs> it was truly fine, and it worked as a marinade too. I like to go with hooch, just straight up old timey hooch, like right. a, a bottle with three X's on it. Nice, just delicious. Breaks down those muscle fibers. Sometimes I like to cover it in liquid smoke and then just put it in the microwave, and then it's like hooch it, steak. It feels like you're barbecued. It's like a, a really lazy barbecue. You know, it's really great if you haven't tried it as solid smoke. Where it's just a, like a brick <laughs> yeah. that you rub on just, it. Is that a real thing? No. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it seems like you could because liquid smoke is just smoke and water. If you look at the ingredients, you're like, that can't fucking be right. I want to make that's... like a Metal Gear joke here, but Sean, you're the only one that knows about it. <laughs> I do skip a lot of cutscenes too, so I'd still be like, I'm not... Is that a Metal Gear guy? Those, uh, those are truly deranged games that are also awesome. Uh, so at the top of the show... Thor, do you have anything you'd like to plug before we descend into chaos and forget to ask? You know, it's interesting. I would previously be like, buy my books or buy a t-shirt or anything. But you know what? I'm just happy to be here. So let's make this a freebie. Buy wow. his books. Buy a t-shirt yeah. or something. Buy them. God. Now, you have, you've been one of the most prolific, uh, I don't like to say this word, but content creators uh, on, the, on the internet for many years. I remember even back in Portal of Evil days... Uh, I was working my ass off, uh, much as I do now, uh, writing jokes, but I'd never did like daily updates and you were doing daily updates. What for like 20 years now? No, it's I quite mean, absurd. for a while I was working daily, did that for a while. I think that the advent of Twitter has kind of finally scratched that itch for me where mm-hmm. I don't, I can just immediately spew and it's perfect. Right. There's no, there's no value placed on it at all i'm literally just fucking around and like sixteen thousand people seem to like it which is great you know win-win mm-hmm. yeah you so, get some hits. 
Yeah. And it's, it's, it's very satisfying for me, but yeah, now that I'm, you know, I'm 45 now, I've got kids, I've got a family, I've got all this stuff. It's less, uh, I'm not trying to make a living off of it, which is spectacular because I can just fuck around. Right. And you do get some good finds. Like you do like investigative Twitter reporting. Like you'll find weird old artifacts, you know, like we do here on the site and you just boom, look at this book yeah, it's, and it's fun. Yeah. It's, it's great to be able to share shit like that. And that's what I love, you know, past all the clout chasing on Twitter is you're peeking into the lives of some really weird people, you know, mm-hmm. all over Which the world. Which is also bad. They dig up. So yeah, it's, it's, it's good and bad. Part of the, the <laughs> lifelong work of saying, look at this weird fucking thing. No, you have to look at it. <laughs> there was a uh, one me and my friend were talking about today. Uh, you might've even seen this tweet. It went pretty viral. It was about ice tea and his wife. And now he would, he would suck on her titties like their five-year-old kid. And, uh, obviously, that's very strange for a five-year-old or a grown man to to drink yeah, milk you're... from a human breast. But <laughs> that's, uh, a, that's weird from many directions at once. But, but yeah, so Ice Tea comes on. At he's the like, same time, if I if I die, known as a guy who loves titties, so be it. Right? I'm paraphrasing. Uh, but well, um, I don't. Did, was it clarified that there was actually milk, or was he just he, sucking recreationally? I guess it, it, all we had to go by was the tweet and the context of the tweet, which. Heavily linked how he was sucking on a boob to the five-year-old, which I I want to say that implies that they're drinking. Like, if you're just letting a five-year-old recreationally suck on a boob, that's that's way outside my kink zone. So, in the context of the tweet, yes, he's drinking. But further questions for Ice-T, maybe not, but uh, that's what the internet was led to believe. That's so, sensible. Yeah, so the comment section was... Uh, I get the comment section, the, the replies was madness and the uh when something goes like you know 10k viral i think what five percent of the the world is completely insane maybe you just gotta step away it doesn't belong to you yeah Yeah. nothing good will come of it and so like arguments were starting and 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 once you have something like a bodily function involved like breastfeeding then somebody will come in with just a real weird take that they have been studying got their a, whole life. Like I've read. Petition. Going to yeah. start like a change.org <laughs> petition about it. That's, that's what 10K gets you. Yeah. I'm the president of, of breastfeeding until they're 25.com. You know how you'll see anyway. something and it just kind of lodges in your brain and you'll never get rid of it? Like 15 years ago, there was a clip from a British documentary about parents who breastfeed their children as they get older. And there was mm-hmm. an eight-year-old girl who's still breastfed along with her like 12-year-old sister. And there's a scene when she turns to the camera and this bit of dialogue will all, I will say this when I die. <laughs> I love milk. It's better than any fruit. It's better than a mango. It's better <laughs> than a million melons. <laughs> it was like, that. I will never forget that. I will forget my parents' birthday. I will forget my children's names, but that will always live. You could actually probably do an MRI of my skull and like find where that lives. He's, he's thinking about that mango line. I can tell you had cadence down. This is just <laughs> tattooed on I've your actually, soul. I've actually heard that. You really brought it back to me because of your perfect cadence. <laughs> it's truly, it's become part of me. It's going to be on your tombstone. <laughs> well, today, uh, this is the podcast for our Golden Age Week, which is a fun 1-800 hot dog mess around where... We just talk about uh, Golden Age stuff, and I want to talk about a genre of comics that's just dead as fuck. You'll, we'll never see it again, 
but it was 15 years strong and very, very weird. Uh, it's crime comics. Like uh, the golden age, we had superhero and jungle and sci-fi uh, and lady. Western <laughs> lady is a genre. <laughs> lady was absolutely a genre. And, uh, and then just generic adventure comics that was sort of all these put together. But crime comics was um, ostensibly true crime, true crime, like real stories of real criminals is how it started. Uh, the first one I want to talk about is called Crime Does Not Pay, which, uh, again, a lot of these titles are just going to sound like fascist propaganda at this point. Like if you made a comic now called Crime Does Not Pay, it would probably have Tucker Carlson on the cover of it. And yeah, Frank only... Miller joint. Yes. Yeah, they got Frank Miller to write like right wing propaganda and Don Jr.'s publicist would buy every copy. And uh, anyway, the, the comic itself... Um, I love it so much, and I think it's maybe not the first one, but the first one I think that like captured the imagination because it opened with a true story of a real criminal, uh, like Al Capone or some famous gangster, anyone with notoriety, and did a, a more or less faithful adaptation of their life in five pages. And the whole time they get followed around by like the the spirit of crime. Who, uh, uh, Brockway, can you guess what the spirit of crime looks like? Uh, I'm going to guess it is a ghost in one of those, like, stripy prison jumpsuits with, like, maybe a ghostly ball and chain. Mm -hmm. I think that's uh, a great guess. Uh, Thor, you might know this cold. Do you, do you have a guess? Wait, no, wait, what, what year is this? 1942. It's a black guy. (laughs) That's actually a really bad guess. (laughs) So, uh, so basically he follows around a famous criminal and, and sort of, he's sort of like the devil on their shoulder. Like he can make suggestions of things they were probably already going to do, but has no effect on anything. And then after they die or end up alone in prison, he taunts them saying like, aha, you shouldn't have listened to me. Crime is bad. Oh, it's every, it's every, it's not just this one guy haunted by the spirit of crime. It's every guy. Every every criminal ever, I guess, has been haunted by this guy. That's, that's every real device. criminal. Yes, every real a fake criminals. You know, they're governed by different spiritual forces. I think, but uh, but that's sort of the theme of the comic. Is we watch a criminal be very very bad, and then just kind of die. Like uh, real stories don't have quite the narrative arc we're used to as you know nerds. So like uh, a guy will just like kill a couple of people. Things are going great, and then one of his own guys will kill him, or the cops will find him, or, you know, whatever. He'll trip and fall or shoot himself. Uh, they're always very sad and weird endings that have no twist, uh, and there's no beginning, middle, and end to these stories. Nobody ever so, finds Jesus, and Crime Ghost is just like, eh, all right, you get a pass. Right? He has to hang out with the ghost of Jesus the whole time. God, I hate this! This whole comic is lame. There's like 40 more issues of them, like, you know, helping the community. So, uh... That's one part of the comic is real stories narrated by the spirit of crime, guided by the spirit of crime. And then every other story in these comics, there'd be five or six others, um, would be the same format, but also not real. So it'd be an uninteresting story about a guy where a bunch of shit happens and then it's over, but they're not, but they made it up. And I, when you allow a writer to do that, to just say like, oh yeah, just pretend like it's a real dude and uh, get me five pages by tomorrow like that was their business model 
But they always and had one real one. Did you have to guess the real one? So that sounds like fun. It, <laughs> as, as far as I can tell, they didn't want us to know that they were fake. Like, yeah, and a lot of them, they say a true crime story or based mm-hmm. on a true story. But we changed right. everybody's names, so you'll never figure it out. I love right. how uh, I love how Ghosts in the Darkness did that one. It's one of my favorite things where they they before the movie based on a story dot 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 that's true. <laughs> nice. <laughs> based on a story that's true. It's based on a story. Yeah. That the story part is true. Yeah, uh, a guy killed a lion with his hands in that movie. I know. I love I that recall. movie so much. I love it so much <laughs> that they really try to be. And this part's true when the lions yeah. like high five and then they try to. Tried to link up and do like a double clothesline on Val Kilmer. Was it Val Kilmer? It was Val Kilmer. Yeah, it's Val Kilmer. Lion uh, tag team on him. It's going to take two lions for Val Kilmer. Yeah, he's a two lion man. I'd agree. Any movie, yeah. I think uh, Willow, you might need three lions. Uh, enough about Val Kilmer. We got to talk no. about crime. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Tune I gotta in, keep the shit on the rails. Tune into Kill Cast with Brockway. <laughs> All the comments in our last podcast are I think Sean Baby might have lost his fucking mind. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, anyway, um, so here we have this comic where all of it's pretending to be real, but only one of them is real. And the real part is has a ghost running things. <laughs> That's how and, you tell which part's real. <laughs> yeah. The crime ghost. <laughs> And I did share with you a four-page uh, uh, feature from Crime Does Not Pay. Thor, do you want to run us through the plot of that uh, That story? It's called The Killer the Law Couldn't Kill. Right, because obviously, the law, if the law can't kill him, what can? So, Build is a truth crime story. It stars a sort of chubby, you know, angry, young cattle rustler or just sort of Kind of hobo, but not entirely hobo. I don't think he has a yeah. house, but he loves a, to murder. Yes. Uh, he, he checks in. He finds some people like not even camping out, just like hanging out and cooking woods in the yeah. wilderness. That's real, how you used to do it back nice in the people. day. You just used right. to pull over it's, by the side of the road and be like, here we are for the day. Yeah, it's a, and it's a couple and they show him kindness and feed him. And he repays the favor by just murking the man in the face with his rifle at close range. And Wait, I, I love a, his logic. I love that the yeah. the guy, the the husband says, like, oh, it sure is great having a wife. And the, the crime vagrant just like, yeah, it must be. And so he kills the husband and takes the wife. Right. <laughs> now I have a wife. This is how Maybe you shouldn't have fucking said that about your wife. Down in Texas. Right. <laughs> Set me and up so for he, that, pal. He kidnaps the woman. They go on like a crime spree. They bring the body along and he gets caught. And so then we get the sort of, since this is only four pages, they got to just slam the fuck through this. Yeah. They get the the sort of uh, twist of the story. Was, he's like, sure, I killed him, but we're in Texas and Texas doesn't allow capital punishment in Different this times. world. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Liberal paradise. Yeah. Texas. And we literally, we get a full-on Jack Chick-esque ha 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 while he's in the courtroom, just gloating. And so... Like, mate, can't do nothing. I love yeah. jail. I love just, it. And he's just hanging out in jail. But then, uh, uh, the sort of uh, townsfolk who are all... And I think it's important to notice that aside from like the woman and her husband, everybody in this story is 
brutally deformed. They're all incredibly <laughs> strange looking people. Yeah. They're, they're caricatures. That uh, could be an artistic choice or artistic incompetence. Yes. Or it could just uh, be this, Texas back in the day. True. This be. was drawn by Dick Briefer, who went on to draw a comic called Frankenstein that was basically just Frankenstein hanging out in the suburbs and getting into misadventures. So I think that this is very on part. It's very like right in the pocket for him. So the twist is the towns are like, well, if he was trying to break out, something might happen to him. So they loosen the bars in his jail cell. He jumps out over a bullseye that's been painted on the side of the jail where the townspeople were practicing shooting at that exact moment. So he was Mm -hmm. executed by a blameless accident. No harm, no foul. (laughs) And then that's it. And it's, oh yeah, he died. And that's that's the story. And that's a story that's true. And uh, (laughs) yes, I I did not find any of those names when I Googled. Uh, I don't think that's a true story. But why I brought it up is because I think the real bad guy in this story is just the idea of there ever being a time or place in human history where you couldn't kill a criminal. That concept is the villain of the story. That's that's true. And so that's... Because the guy's think, caught. And that's right. it's like not even halfway over when they catch him. Yeah, and he confesses. I think it's kind of a shame that this story only had four pages because I'm imagining this like spun out to like 80 or 90 pages where the townspeople keep hatching schemes <laughs> to get this guy killed right. that don't work out. I would read a whole series about like, that. It's incredible. Feed like, him incredibly fattening food and hope he strokes out. They're like, no, 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 nope, didn't he's work. Just, he's too deformed to die that way. Just a whole town of wily e. coyotes. Right. And the, the Roadrunner's the bad guy. I That's a, a brilliant idea for a comic. It is extremely wily e. coyote how they actually do kill him. That There's a <laughs> yeah. bullseye. They had to paint the bullseye there. Like, yeah. gee, we were shooting we're at just, our target. Yeah. Shooting at the local jail like you do. Perfectly legal. Anyway, that's the story of the great criminal, uh, Brief Dicker. The criminal's and name is Star Daily, which is Star confusing. Daily. Ooh, I don't believe that. That's somebody so, looking at a newspaper and trying to think of a name. That's a good point. That's a, that's a fucking newspaper title, for sure. Uh, our criminal's the Daily Bugle. <laughs> so uh, mm. the, the point I'm trying to make is the tone of these comics is very much not like... Um, Let's rehabilitate these men or teach them the other ways. It's that crime is like just a thing they do and they need to get killed for it. And anything getting in the way of that is actually the problem. And and it's important to note that crime is also just fun as fuck up until yeah. the moment they die. Like this guy, our star daily is totally unrepentant. He is having a time. He gets a free yeah. meal and a wife and he gets to laugh in the face of a judge. Temporary wife, disposable wife. All the rage back in the day. She, she went along with it, too. I, I, you didn't mention that in the comic, is that she, um, in order to trap him, she's like, oh, cool, you you killed my husband. I guess I'll be, I guess you're pretty handsome. That's in how a wives way, work in Texas. That's yeah. <laughs> true. And some guy drives by on his bike and she goes, don't react to me and the things I am saying, but I am being kidnapped. And and that's, so she like hatches a lot Wait, of what clever is he, plots. What is he, he said something. Jumping. Jumping jinkers. Jumping jinkers. <laughs> Love it. You can't say yeah, that shit blew, anymore. Nobody lets you get away with that. Blew her cover instantly. <laughs> she, she's like, don't react to this. And he's like, jump and jinkers. Like, that is the opposite what of what What did you I just tell that do. guy? 
but we don't since it's only four pages we don't get to see any of that we get two right. we got a whole panel of the old man riding off on his bicycle and saying jumping jinkers but something exciting like a police chase or a showdown or something no nah, no nah, nah, i burned that space on the yeah, jumping jinkers going. guy i'm not going back <laughs> the cops are not the heroes the idea of killing criminals is the heroes and so this was the tone of this entire genre of comic for six years. And um, the rules changed slightly based on the setting. Like they would do a lot of, like this one was a Wild West one. They would do some like set in old timey medieval times or whatever. But the, you get a pirate tone, story every so often, too. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, those but the, the tone best. was generally the same. Crime was so easy and so fun. And then it just ends badly for but you. But you shouldn't do it. Yeah, don't do crime. Even though it's the best. (laughs) So, uh, six years later, uh, the trend shifted towards um, criminals being more cowardly. Like, they tried to... Maybe they they decided that they were responsible for crime. They were inspiring way too much crime. Every <laughs> so, crime just skyrocketed after these comics. Well, it's because kids would buy the comics and they'd just tear out the last page. Yeah. Like, and then it's just instructions it's on just, how to be just, awesome. Yeah, it's just a great life. <laughs> Ending with, like, how to how to make your own tank at home. <laughs> you could buy those. Those were, like, seven Four ni- cents. Four ninety-five. Just send it in. <laughs> or a, get a submarine that you can really yeah. drown in. Yeah. Absolutely. Put this cardboard box in your bathtub, you fucking idiot. So uh, the comic I want to talk about is called Crime Must Pay the Penalty. Which <laughs> Not a sketching. Very... <laughs> well, that's one. Yeah, it's cool. And I love this comic because on the top of every single page, it says, Crime Must Pay the Penalty. And uh, it wasn't unusual for each story to end uh, with someone saying that or with the narrator saying that. So, uh, like I said, in these comics, uh, the, the criminals were generally total pussies and they would sort of beg for their life and then they would lose <laughs> because you must pay the penalty right you thought right. you could not pay the penalty but here we are and there and and so uh, they, they'd also set up the bad guys like um they'd be like oh please don't put me in the electric chair i'll go straight and then the guy with the switch would be like sure you'll go straight straight to hell and boom that would be the ending oh and it's so, a good ending it's a yes. good ass i'm so, taking that yeah so the writing was better because now there would be like little twists because the guys didn't just do crime and it was awesome and they died. They did crime and then they had time to repent and like realize the consequences of what they did. They didn't just get hit by a stray bullet. They like they had to look death in the eye and, and see justice coming for them. <laughs> and still still did right, not they reform. Re- repent to know. It's like the opposite of a chick tract where you can repent yes. at the last minute. We don't give a shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Thor, did you just put something in Discord here? I was just, because we were talking about the things advertising. There's this really incredible ad for, I guess, what is a proto slinky, uh, which is a pretty astounding piece of, uh, piece of art. It doesn't go for, down. Yeah, it's for, yes. I guess, they, they called it uh, the Mr. Walker toy, and it combined the fun of a yo-yo, the elusiveness of a bouncing rubber ball, and the entertainment <laughs> of yogi tricks. So I think we're we're wow. we talk we're talking a lot about like the sort of violence and you know moral nihilism of these comics, but it's important to recognize that they were tar- they were sold to like stupid gullible seven year old children, right? Who are you know. <laughs> 
And this was almost certainly a crime in and of itself. Right. These, these are this children a... who are baffled by the elusiveness of a bouncing rubble brawl. So naturally, you know, understanding crime is going to be completely beyond them. I do love how this ad is sort of like the chum box of 1948, where, like, I recognize that kid's face. Like, they just keep putting different products into that drawing of a child. Because it's such a good drawing. <laughs> such a high quality human child. He's jazzed. <laughs> <laughs> about Mr. Yeah, Walker. That child's definitely been dead for like at least three weeks. Yeah. It's a, I, I know Erectus. I've seen Erectus. That's Erectus. <laughs> uh, Mr. Erectus. Now, th- there was another trend I want to talk about at around the same time that was a real curveball. And uh, Thor, you actually posted a, uh, a cover of this in the Discord. It's called Crimes by Women. And this is another <laughs> We've gotten comic there. We've started. gotten to the official... <laughs> Like in the, in the last comic you talked about, the woman was just kind of, well, she had some agency, but she was property to be exchanged. And now now we've right. gotten to straight condemning them, which is... Yeah, I love Crimes by Women. That's one of my favorite Golden Age crime books because it starts out pretty staid. Like the first issue of Crimes by Women is Bonnie Parker, Bonnie and Clyde, like the sort sure. of crime. And so <laughs> it's, pretty, it's pretty basic. It's like a pretty basic, but by like the third or fourth issue... Crimes with crimes by women gets insanely horny. It is so hard. Then it is so horned up, and like it is not even attempting to be like level-headed or sort of uh, truthful about the physical appearance of people. It's like, look at these hot babes. They're gonna kill people, and then they're gonna die. Bangable criminals. (laughs) That's the next. That's my favorite series. And of course, and, since this is the 40s, it's like just leg, basically. That's what you're going to see. You're going to see legs ahoy. Mm-hmm. Maybe some midriff. I mean, legs? Do you mean, and, did you mean gams? I meant stems. <laughs> you mean this, the stems of these dizzy dames? Okay, so um, this kept the same tone as crime must pay the penalty and that the, the criminals were cowards. Like all of these women, after they do their crime, they beg for their life. That's a real trope of this comic is that they will beg for their life right oh. up until they're electrocuted. This is getting into fetish and, territory. Yeah. like, And that's the thing is that when I see a comic so obviously horny and then a woman is begging for her life while she's being electrocuted, I'm like, oh, no, no, no. This They need to arrest whoever did this. This Someone has a sex fetish. Yeah, you of women started being electrocuted. a fetish here. Like, I, I started collecting the final panel of these comics because so many of them ended with a woman literally sparking to death while she screamed, please don't kill me. I don't want to die like this. It's oh, oh. grim as fuck. So, um, yeah, it, it, besides it's a powerful the, comic. Yeah. Besides the, uh, sex thing, uh, Thor mentioned the three tropes I found were, um, the first I mentioned begging for life, uh, usually from an electric chair. The, the second one is suicide. And now when women commit suicide, it's always by bloodlessly shooting themselves in the heart. And this happened a lot. Like, they get to the end of the comic, and they just can't deal with the law on their tail, and so they kill themselves by shooting themselves in the heart. And the third way these stories end is just through sheer dumbassery. Like, women will just fall off of shit, or their own, like, schemes will backfire. Uh, One woman took up archery to, like, murder people on the range, and just, like, fell off her horse while screaming in, like, Chris Claremont style, like, oh no, I am falling from my horse. No, no. Arrow pointed up. I will fall on it. I'm falling on the arrow. Oh, I'm dying by my own arrow. And 
<laughs> and that's true. That classic that jape. Yeah, sure. <laughs> that old jape. Uh, so that was now the trend in 1948 is uh, criminals are cowards and comic book writers are horny. So And, and both. And also both of those things mixed. Yeah, and it's it's fair to say that we're still like in the mid forties. Most of these late forties, most of these books are just being hacked out. The work is bad. It's not good looking or entertaining, you know, in any real way. Yeah, it's really unsophisticated, like in its uh, panel to panel work, and it's like rendering. Like it feels like they got guys who maybe did like medical drawings, and they said, "Okay, can you can you draw a comic?" And like, oh, I don't fucking know. My leg's too bad for the war. I guess I have to. What if there's yeah. half a pie in it for you? <laughs> half a pie? <laughs> Sign me up. You get the crust uh, on one, signing and the filling on completion. One more question. Do you hate women? And are you constantly horny for them? All right. If it's a yes, you're hired. Uh, another one I like from 1948 was called Gangsters Can't Win. And uh, that one was exactly the same as Crime Must Pay the Penalty. It was uh, gangsters that uh, were just kicking all kinds of ass, and then they just turned into cowards at the end. And every single story ended with the words, gangster can't win. Uh, so sometimes it was screamed by the Grim Reaper. Sometimes it was screamed by the cops shooting them. Do you think but at that... some point they wish they had made it grammatically correct just so it wasn't weird when they screamed this thing? <laughs> that might have been my fuck up. I didn't sleep last night. So I'm a little punchy, but yeah, gangsters can't win, I should have said. Uh, so two years later, um, they sort of shifted back towards the real in a, a comic called Crime Can't Win. And these were uh, all over the place, but generally wanted us to believe, again, that these were uh, faithfully based on true stories. So uh, they regressed back to just this structureless narrative of just stuff happening. And um, that's sort of, I think, the last comic where the criminals were the um, the stars. Because in 1951, they had a new comic come out called Fight Against Crime. <laughs> and <laughs> These are getting much weaker as it goes on. Yeah, well, you I know, agree. I don't like crime. Tepid <laughs> on crime. <laughs> Strongly against crime. crime. And... <laughs> not <laughs> so the trend now in these comics is not the the bumbling stupidity of criminals or their cowardly nature but how genius the cops are so it'll start with like a bait and switch like oh this is going to be about like some al capone dude who's so smart and then it's like nope it's actually about just some fucking random beat cop who you know knew exactly whatever the the type of clay in this ravine i don't know you know what i'm saying you know what i'm saying all those tropes but this is when the shift went to like how awesome cops are versus how shitty criminals are uh there was one i really loved um well i, I guess i'll get to that later but um the point is uh we're now shifting towards this and in 1954 we get to a comic called police action where they just embraced it now the the heroic cops kick all the ass and uh, they still want us to believe it's real. Like they'll, they'll give it like, you know, Sergeant Jack Dempsey of the Chicago PD. And of course that's not a real dude. Um, there was one I found uh, again, this is supposed to be a real story. It was set in 1894 where a London cop 
learned that a man was using his trained dog to kill people. So he had a special whistle and he's just running around the night being like, hey, kill that guy, dog. Tweet, tweet. And so the uh, London cop shot the dog. Like he went out like with dog bait and shot the dog and then just followed him back to the guy's apartment and then shot him. Well, and then told his dead body, ha I knew a wounded dog would have turned to his master. Ha ha. And so I'll wound every dog I see. <laughs> yeah, he just went out shooting dogs until one of them led him to a killer. Maybe and that was considered heroism back in the day. <laughs> and uh, that's that's police action. Now um, that is police action. Yeah, so I think right. that they it's interesting dogs. because this the sort of root source of all of these crime comics, rewinding back to the very beginning, is Dick Tracy, the Chester Gould newspaper strip, which has. All of these hallmarks. It has gruesome villains who are unrepentant and die hideously, you know, mm-hmm. or are jailed only to die hideously later. And so it's interesting that that pendulum eventually swung back to like our super detective who always gets his man. And the detective is like sort of the, the ostensible protagonist now, as opposed to right. having the criminal be the protagonist of the story. Right. And uh, I guess scattered throughout this whole 12 years I'm talking about, um, there are a ton of like noir style stories of like hard punching detectives who like go out and fight crime. I was just trying to focus on uh, comics that are just about the general idea of crime with no real main characters uh, and how strange they got from the the, the angles they took until they finally ended here with this like cop propaganda and how like super awesome and smart they are and how criminals can't win, not because they're foolish, but because we're the best. And uh, I do think it would be outrageous if one of these comics came out today. Like if, if you saw police action today on the shelf, uh, I mean, you someone with your education would probably think, oh, this is like a throwback to golden age comics. But if you were just like some random fan who saw police action you're like dude did fox news just fund a fucking comic what is this is going to be bad yeah you might be giving them ideas right now you know would be truly incredible Hmm. revive police action but they're investigating the crime of the century the terrorist attacks of september 11th 2001 oh Uh, we're back to frank miller again holy i guess that's true it's already been taken but i mean i love i i love i would love the idea of like a modern comic in this format you know about oj simpson you know right yeah or casey and, anthony and the genius cops that brought him down it's just it's, it, cause it's it would be i mean i honestly sincerely want to do this i want to tell a story in that format you know g- give me four pages to tell the oj simpson story with him oh, at God. the end you know then that has to end with the glove not fitting ha 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 and then he jumps in front of a bullseye <laughs> whoops now um, so this was uh, 1954 was basically the last crime comic now do you I bet you have a strong guess on why that happened what caused that to be the end that would be the uh, founding of the great comics code authority where basically all of you sick perverts you know who've been <laughs> Producing these comics are now out of a job unless you can clean your ass up and make Archie. Exactly. To be fair, so you did is... you did start like an electrocution fetish when you were uncovered. <laughs> Someone needed to put some oversight yeah, maybe on this there was, industry. Sure, they overstepped, 
but I would argue it came from a necessary place. Yeah, yeah, it, it was poorly executed. Uh, but yeah, the comic book like was based women. on the, uh, the it's just like those those cowardly women begging for their lives from the electric chair that oh that make me so hot. So uh, the comic script was based on the, the wildly fraudulent work of uh, Frederick Wortham, who wrote uh, Seduction of the Innocent, which later was proven to be, you know, all nonsense. Like he just fucking made up his sources and uh, his conclusions are insane. And so, uh, but and for 1954, that was pretty good science. Yeah, you could just so, do that. Yeah, he just he picked up the ball and he ran with it. Yeah. And I would honestly like to know more about him just because like, how in the right place was his heart? Like, I, I grew up in a world where, like, right-wing media is just sort of objectively and obviously evil, and all their moralizing is very much like, uh, fuck you, this is, like, our method of control, not really, like, I just, I really care about kids, and that's why I want, you know, these right-wing things to happen. So, like, maybe in 1954, like, this just floundering moralism was was, like... It came from a good spot. Do you think that's possible? Well, so in the context of sort of how Wortham gained the power to do with this, it's important to think back to the mid 50s is when people were starting to get really freaked out about teenagers. Right. Because as a cultural invention, teenagers were fairly new. And as opposed to being forced to go work in a shoe factory, kids were instead deciding to smoke a cigarette. Mm-hmm. So as opposed to smoking a cigarette during their shift at the shoe factory. So these kids with free time started freaking out adults. And uh, in 1953, the Senate established the Senate Subcommittee on Juvenile Delinquency, which was a government body designed essentially to get the kids to stop being so, you know, teen. Terrifying. Yeah, so it 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 was a big enough deal that, you know, the Senate had to get involved. Like, what are we going to do about this? So I have uh, an idea. Elect- electric chair. Right. Every team. Only for the dames. Yeah, so, teens electrocuted daily. Yeah. So one of the sort of one of the scapegoats they found was comic books. And so uh, Senator Estes Kvoffer, who was a Democrat from Tennessee, brought in both uh, Wortham and William Gaines, the EC Comics publisher. And I'm shocked that we didn't talk about EC at all here because they were far and away the best of these, you know, these crime comics, the most graphically uh, intense and beautifully drawn and, you know, actually yeah. relatively high quality. Great. And so there's a lot of, you know, there's so, and they were also, because they were the best, they were also the hardest to defend. So, mm-hmm. They brought publisher William Gaines in front of this body, and honestly, basically, he just blew it like crazy. There's a great sort of. Uh, well, actually, we should do a dramatic reading of this. Okay, Thor, uh, you be Beezer, I'll sure. be Gaines, and Rock, where you're Kavaffer. Then you think a child cannot, in any way, shape, or manner, be hurt by anything that the child reads or sees? I do not believe so. There would be no limit, actually, to what you'd put in the magazines? Only within the bounds of good taste. Now, now here is your May issue. This seems to be a man with a bloody axe holding a woman's head up, which has been severed from her body. Do you think that's in good taste, sir? Yes, sir, I do. For the cover of a horror book. 
Recovering bad taste, for example, might be to find us holding your head a little higher so that the blood could be seen tripping from it and moving the body a little further over so that the neck from could also be seen to be bloody. You got blood coming right out of her mouth. A little. <laughs> it's just so great. Like, he could a little. not have blown it harder <laughs> if he tried. You could not that. fuck that up worse. I love that. A little. So pedantic. A little. So pedantic. He's like, um, actually, if I had moved her head a little to the left, um, the blood would be very, very gruesome. And it's such a, it's, it's such a childlike argument. I could have made it much fucking worse. It could have been so much worse. You don't know how good you got it. So yeah, so naturally, you know, this did not work out. The Comics Code Authority was passed. All of the major publishers voluntarily agreed to not show things like werewolves. Which is a big uh-huh. deal. Right, that was and the problem. <laughs> There's so werewolves. much. If you read through the comics code, it's really These bonkers. fucking teens are getting all yeah. their ideas from werewolves. <laughs> I think I think we should I have it pulled up here. Now, uh, the first thing in the comics code uh, that sort of helped kill this entire genre was no, crimes. Cr- yes, werewolves. Uh, crimes shall never be presented in such a way as to create sympathy for the criminal to promote distrust of the forces of law and justice, or to inspire others with a desire to imitate criminals. Oh, so, all, uh, all fun criminals are gone now. <laughs> but yeah, to promote distrust of the forces of law and justice is like such like blatant propaganda. Brief Dicker just blasting his way through Texas wives. That's over. And it's it's wild to me that that's not what these comics were doing. These comics weren't right. like ACAB, you know, fuck the pigs. They were doing exactly what they wanted. Criminals were suffering. It didn't they look were like yeah. too much fun. Right. Along the way. Mm-hmm. But like, the, there's no like mistaking the message of crime must pay the penalty. Crime must pay. Like it's one of them should have said laid that out. at the end of the, that's what it, the last <laughs> word of the comics code should be. Right. Crime like, must pay the penalty. Uh, the next one is if crime is depicted it shall be as a sordid and unpleasant activity which already yeah that that one definitely is good advice that they were not following Uh, they were they were selling us pretty hard on the awesomeness of crime for 80% of every single story I'm still sold on it they got me Uh, policemen judges government officials and respected institutions shall never be presented in such a way as to create disrespect or establish authority. Oh, man. Um, no no goofy cops? That's yeah. such like a... You can't have one goofy cop? <laughs> I might, uh, might have mentioned this in the podcast before, but when I was a child, I was not allowed to watch Night Court or Dukes of Hazard because they presented authority in a disrespectful way. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's- crazy. Incredible of, of yeah. all of the. I don't know what to do with that. This podcast is over. <laughs> Take that and run with it. But yes, um, my mother's still very right wing, and uh, and I had to grow up with that. Um, so that's <laughs> night court that's is just a slow is slow creeping up on me. The ridiculousness <laughs> of you're not allowed to watch night court. You'll get ideas about frivolent judges. Doing and magic like, tricks. <laughs> Impossible. <laughs> so you know how some people like argue politically? Like at 11 years old, I knew that like there's no getting through to these people. Like when I'm like, oh, actually, uh, I'm good. I, I think I can watch Night Court and it'd come away unchanged from that. And uh, 
there's just no, there's, no, it's a brick wall. Like, no, it was so disrespectful to the judicial system. And then I'd be like, right, but like, so is this and this and this and this and this. And, and the fact that we live in such a chaotic world and, and you know, whatever, I'd cite whatever fucking things I knew at 11. And, uh, so that's how I grew up is knowing that like, there's just this, uh, I don't, I don't know what, how to put it, this will, willful stupidity that, that you, isn't worth throwing your energy against. But here because I am doing crime it Crime does not pay. Crime does not pay! Dukes of Hazard, I, I think, was, was fair. Those cops sure. were yeah, right. full like, on I accepted Dukes of Hazard, and then Night Court just <laughs> slow crept up on me, just ninja yeah. style. <laughs> Let people have but fun the, at wait, work, Wait, but they're Mom. the good guys still. It's still, like, <laughs> yes. against. They're it's still, still against crime. Still running a courtroom by, you know, procedure. But yeah, Dukes of Hazard were, like, Criminal bootleggers with a full-on racist flag on their car. Yeah, like, I could see that. Fair enough. Fair, not a great example. Uh, let's see. Next one was, Criminals shall not be presented as to be rendered glamorous or to occupy a position which creates a desire for emulation. Which feels like just a flowery rewording of the last couple. Yeah, they really yeah, had absolutely. like one point. <laughs> Stop making crime look fun. <laughs> yeah, but like, let's put that in a real cute way. Uh, let's try it again, but let's keep every draft that we do in there as a separate room. Right. Well, yeah, they saw did. how these comics were named. So, like, these guys like to say <clears> the <throat> same thing in a bunch of different ways. Let's speak their language. Smart. Uh, speaking of, the next one is, in every instance, good shall triumph over evil, and the criminal punished for his misdeeds. <laughs> in which... every instance. <laughs> again, I don't think that's something anyone ever considered doing. I I feel like every now and then you'd get like a, a superhero comic or a sci-fi comic where like the wizard of space would be the the protagonist and they would be clearly a bad guy. But that's it was so unusual. Right. But by not saying ultimately or at the end, like you right. made it so that they can never win. There can never be stakes. Right. Yeah. So I, I would think that even just a, to be continued story would violate this rule. Yeah. Like you couldn't so that, leave it on a cliffhanger or anything. Right. Um. And then, of course, there's stuff like scenes of excessive violence shall be prohibited, scenes of brutal torture, excessive and unnecessary knife and gunplay. So stuff like this where you're like, oh, okay. But like what a subjective bunch of words that well, like, now, I think society necessary. handles on its own. Define necessary. necessary. What's a necessary knife play? <laughs> I would argue all knife play is necessary. <laughs> Senator, this is knife work. I, I think uh, one of my other favorite ones on the list this is a very famous one. It says, no comic magazine shall use the words horror or terror in its title, which feels very targeted. No, that's a weird Yes. One. <laughs> that's like, no, that's pure EC. Like, their two biggest titles were, you know, Vault of Terror, Vault of Horror. It was like basically yeah. saying, you, you're fucked. Sorry, son. Yeah, right. You talk shit to us in Congress. You're out. You basically like we don't like your us. specific yeah. comic. No vaults, no dripping neck blood. Would you like to keep a crypt? Fuck off! <laughs> what what an easy thing to like circumvent too. Like you could just be like vault of scariness, and you're like, aha! You can't do shit about this, Uncle Sam. <laughs> vault of unease. <laughs> we got the vault. vault, the crypt of discomfort. <laughs> uh, next one was uh, all lurid, unsavory, gruesome illustrations shall be eliminated, which is uh, whoa, that's a big I mean, one. That's everything, right? Like, a yeah. lot of these guys could only do gruesome illustrations. These were not your high-end illustrators here. This was the best or thing lurid. to do. Yeah. Lurid is such a, a thing to define. 
I think <laughs> right. Fucking everything I do is lurid. Yeah. Anything above the knee, I think, is lurid. Anyway, we don't need to go through the entire comics code, but this effectively killed this genre and the horror genre uh, because, like, the word describing it was, like, made illegal. And the other thing is this wasn't exactly, like, I don't know. You didn't have to follow this. This wasn't mandatory. This was just something that, like, you'd slap on your comic so that so advertisers would feel safe knowing they could advertise with you. But... um Right, but I, it's like an X rating, like how they use the X yeah, rating. Like, exactly. Yeah, and well, the, you, the, you can do whatever you want. You'll just get, you know, you won't get this award or you will get this letter. And that's how yeah. we, it's still free. You know, we're not restricting you. The big companies also were reached out to newsstands when this was happening, where they were selling these comics. They're like, you know, this is the Comics Code Authority. This means your comic is safe to sell to kids who come to your store. If it doesn't have this, it's not safe to sell to kids. So, like, who's going to, nobody's going to, as a retailer, you're not going to take that risk. Right. So. And of course, I can imagine parent groups were probably really obnoxious back then. Like when I was a child, uh, parent groups made it so the local bookstore couldn't have uh, Dungeons and Dragons. And I imagine, you know, 20, 30 years before that, they were like. Radicalized a generation of nerds. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, I, I, I Thor, do you have any hot comic tips like from the from the golden age that are good? Like I sort of picked out some that were obviously absurd, but yeah, I think all of the EC books, everything EC mm-hmm. published, which was crimes, uh, the crime was especially crime suspense stories and shock right. suspense stories, are brilliant. They're so tight and like beautifully put together. The artists are great: Johnny Craig, Wally Wood, one of the greatest of all time. Just they're definitely. Away from the true crime sort of format, it's basically just people doing shitty things to each other and getting having it boomerang on them. And they're they're right. really good and interesting. EC was, you know, they didn't miss. They put out so much good shit. And one thing that's interesting is they were the ones hit the hardest by the comics code. They were the strongest, you know, crime and horror publisher at the time. And their pivot after the code was passed is super, super interesting uh, because they tried comic genres that I don't think anybody's ever done before. Like uh, one of the titles in direction in 55 was called psychoanalysis. And it was literally a therapist, an analyst, like working with people and like uh, sort of having talk therapy sessions, like figure out what was wrong with them, which is such a deeply weird concept for 1955. Yeah. Is this it? Do you kids like this? Is this the next thing? Yeah, exactly. And they also, at the same time, they had MD too, which was like a sort of medical surgical comic. It was the same thing. It's like, how do we, how do we leverage like these incredible artists we have who are really good at telling these stories into something that we can actually fucking sell? Dr. Lurid, MD. Oh, fuck. (laughs) Absolutely illegal. I always liked the guys that had a really mundane job, but also punched their way through danger. Like uh, Mr. District, Athir- uh, District Attorney is one of my favorite comics because he's just a district attorney and he just punches the shit out of everybody. And he kind of ends up in these weird James Bond circumstances. This is not a good example of a good comic, but of a fun comic uh, based on a bad idea. Did he say objection and is... then just punch them? I've All the time. Passed. Objection. <laughs> Client is unpunched. He'd whoop your ass with lawyer words. And then I think the other like really interesting 
stuff from the early phase of these crime comics is the work done in Crime Does Not Pay by Jack Cole, who was the creator of Plastic Man. Mm-hmm. And so this was really early in his career, but he freaking went balls out on these. Like even his primitive work on this is it's a full of like crazy Dutch angles and wild shit. It's mm. so much more inventive and interesting than a lot of stuff. And you can see how he grew into the cartoonist that he became, right. but it's, it's really, it's like fun. It's still primitive and kind of goofy, but the craft is just like so far beyond what all these other mm-hmm. hacks were doing. Yeah. If you look at his plastic man, it's, like the the depth of the insanity is is so immense that like sometimes I'll get lost in a plastic man panel thinking about like the existential horror the people there must be going through with this person in their world like that will <laughs> just, just never safe you're yeah. never alone yeah you just like walking past a uh, like a vase and the vase will turn into a snake and just devour you while joking about like how it's happening and it's the the terror that they must be feeling versus just the fucking not giving a fuck of Plastic Man. Like, nothing can hurt this guy. He can, like, make a rocket and fly on a rocket. He's fully living, like, Looney Tunes cartoon logic in a world of more or less real rules. And uh, I actually have a file on my computer called That's Fucked Up Plastic Man, where I just save panels of Plastic <laughs> Man, where he's doing something that's just, like... Found our next like, podcast. <laughs> just, yeah, it's, uh, Jack Cole, the whole Jack Cole story is incredible. He is a, a, a truly... Tragic figure in comics. Uh, oh, he's tra- I didn't know he's a tragic figure. Yeah, he... Uh, I'm trying to find, remember what year. So he actually killed himself in 1958. He committed oh, suicide. Oh, uh, sort of... He uh, uh, basically... It's hard to say why he killed himself. He was, like, super depressed. It's... Uh, uh, he basically got into his car, went to the store, bought a rifle, and shot himself in the head. 43 years old. Nobody knows why he was working. He was working for Playboy. He was getting like tons of work. He was happily married, you know, like nobody knows why he just, yeah, but he was just an unbelievable, like super talent could draw anything. Mm -hmm. Now it's, that's very sad. Einstein wounded Frankfurt. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the 1900 Hot Dog Dancers. These are your Supremes. Three Finger Louie, Adam Ruth, Adrian H. Ooh, doing the robot, it's Aiden Mua. Alpha Scientist Javo, Armando Nava, Benjamin Cyranin, Brandon Garlock, Brienne Whitney, Chase McPherson. Children love the meat miller, yes they do. Oh, hey, also doing the robot, it's Chris Brower, Dan Bush. The artist, formerly known as Devin, the laziest man on Mars, Dean Costello, 
Dr. Awkward. Hey, it's Eric Spalding. Oh, hey, third robot. It's Fancy Shark. Hi, Fancy Shark. Haraka. Jaber L. Aiden. Jamie Gordon. Jeremy Neal. Next up, it's the J Squad. That's right. Dance troupe within a dance troupe. Here's uh, John. John McCammon. John Minkoff. Josh Fabian. Josh S. That's your J Squad. K&M. Lyman. Mark. Matt Riley. Hey, Mike Styles. Moju. N.D. Stop. Stop doing the robot, N.D. We have enough. Neil Bailey. Neil Schaefer. Nick Ralston. Nick H. Patrick Herbst. Holly Poisuo. Rhea. Uh, Rhea, come on. The stage is crowded with robots here. I'm dying. Rich Joslin. Timmy Leahy. Toasty God. Tom Sekula. Yosarian. Zachary Evans. Zadarfan. And Flamenco dancing for us tonight. It's Matt Cortez. That's... That's the robot, Matt. God damn it. 